actually it took me two years, like speaking of this TED Talk experience, it took me two years to do the personal development work, to have the courage to actually deliver it. That's how, you know, I had, I had to attend a public speaking boot camp to, to kind of be even be brave enough or courageous enough to ask questions in a case conference, let alone a TED Talk was like, uh, scary. But I've always wanted to do one. And I think it's to just be courageous and do what it takes and listen to your heart. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Be An Awesome GP. Today, I am absolutely stoked to be sitting down with Dr. Olivia Ong, or the heart-centered doctor. Dr. Olivia Ong is a remarkable medical mum and a passionate medical entrepreneur dedicated to delivering healthcare coaching. With a heart-centered and soul-driven approach, Olivia supports fellow healthcare professionals in achieving a more balanced life, enabling them to both thrive at work and home without experiencing burnout. Olivia's life took a significant turn when at the age of 28, she was involved in a life-altering accident that left her paralyzed. Despite this immense challenge, Olivia found strength and resilience through her recovery journey. She has succeeded in overcoming her own obstacles. She has pursued a career with unwavering determination, now a dual-trained rehabilitation medicine and specialist pain medicine physician, all while embracing the joys of starting a family. Olivia, welcome to the show. There is so much we can talk about. Thanks for having me, Chris. So do you want to give us your one-minute spiel about who you are, where you're coming from, and we'll just go from there? Yeah, so I'm, you know, I'm Olivia, the heart-centered doctor. That's kind of like my personal brand name, and that I've I've set up a thought leadership business over the last couple of years. Initially, I just wanted to be an author. I just wanted to be like Jack Canfield, write many books. But you know, coaching found me. Then I became a coach, and I became a speaker. And I think as a thought, thought, you know, as thought as thought leaders, um, that's the way we kind of get our our intellectual property or um, IP out to the world is through these forms. For me, obviously, my preferred form of um, deliver, uh, I guess, sh- um, showcasing my content is through writing. That I'm more of a writer at heart. At heart. But um, speaking is something now I've started to enjoy <laughs> because I can see the impact that it has made on, you know, on many, many colleagues of mine while going through burnout. And last but not least, I'm a, I'm a mom of two. I've got eight-year-old son, Joe, and a three-year-old daughter, Jackie. So life is a bit busy. I'm still practicing as a pain physician. Um, quite a number of people have always asked me, like, whether I still work as a pain physician. The answer is yes. I, I do. I, I love it. Yeah. Good. And um, look, I, I'm a expecting dad. I've got a kid coming in January, so after oh, we today, I'll be doing thank you some nursery setup. <laughs> I wanted to just touch on you mentioned uh, writing books there, and I, I think the Heart Center Doctor's on its second edition now. Mm. And thought leaders, industry leaders these days, it's it, it is kind of a blended model. It used to be you could just write a book or you could just have a series of talks, but now people want content in all formats. And mm-hmm. Tell me about getting a book out. Tell me about where that came from. Was it easy? Was it hard? Uh, did you mm-hmm. use professional services? Yeah, so the book idea kind of came up when I attended a speaker boot camp, boot camp because, I, you know, during the pandemic in 2020, I had, quite a lot of time to myself for my personal growth because I didn't have to travel for work. 
I was doing mm. a lot of telehealth for pain medicine and I was heavily pregnant as well at that time. So they, my workplaces didn't allow me to be deployed, I guess, for my safety. So I kind of like um, attended multiple courses to kind of up level, like, you know, update my skills and public speaking was definitely one of them. You know, like I was one of those people that really dreaded public speaking, to be honest, even asking my colleagues a question in a case conference will freak me out. Surprisingly, that, that was me back then in 2020. I don't believe that. Yeah, I, I used to be that person. And then when I attended this particular, particular speaker boot camp, boot camp, a book idea came up. Um, I've always wanted to write a book, but I kind of squashed that idea because life got really busy. And during that time in the pandemic, there was something within me that kind of really was a deep calling. I saw a lot of my, a lot of my colleagues go through burnout and they were suffering inside and they didn't have a choice. I mean, if patients turn up in ED with COVID, you just had, you had to attend and, and same in ICU, GPs as well. Many, many people, many of my colleagues were very burnt out. Uh, my brother's also a doctor and he was very burnt out. He was deployed to the front line. So I wrote this book mainly as a need, uh, like a, like I just wanted to help my peers um, through burnout. And writing was my way to express that, I guess, love for my for my peers because there was no other way I could do it. I didn't like speaking at that time and I, I could write. So I decided that's how the book idea came up and I just wanted to help people out. And I think one of the things that, well, not things, one of the stories that really touched my heart or broke my heart even was um, about a particular, uh, about a rehab, not rehab, <laughs> an ER physician in the US. Her name is Dr. Lorna Breen. Uh, she was kind of running the ER during the first wave of the pandemic. At that time, you remember March 2020, um, New York State was pretty bad hit, first wave of COVID. Mm. She developed burnout and then developed depression and then committed suicide. She jumped off the roof of the building where she worked. She, I mean, that's how she lost her life. And that really broke my heart. And that was, I think, the main catalyst in me wanting to write the book. And... Um, and in all the questions, I was like, how on earth do I even start writing a book? So I got a book coach because I know that, you know, there are book coaches out there who can kind of direct me through writing a book. So that's why I did. I got a book coach to just help me get my ideas out of my head into paper. And, and then she has a publisher that can, could help me publish my book. So it kind of happened that way. Um, so that's how I published the, the Heart Center Doctor. Um, it took me about four to six months to kind of you know, write the book or the, the manuscript. And then it took about a few weeks to publish. Publishing is actually quite quick. It's more yeah. the editing, the manuscript mm. and back and throw and, and all that stuff takes the longest. I think even putting pen, uh, I started typing, probably starting typing your first few words. That's kind of probably the longest. Procrastination is, <laughs> was my biggest um, challenge at that time, <laughs> even though I had a deep desire to write. There's always stuff happening like kids and everything and work and all that. The usual excuses we give, that I, you know, we, we give ourselves sometimes. <laughs> yeah. That's fascinating. I think for me, when I was deep in the pandemic, my response was also to go for writing and it was more a, mm. a creative outlet to avoid burnout rather than delivering yeah. a mission. That mission came later and it's part of mm -hmm. why I do the podcast and my own books now. But mm. I, I think you have so much to offer for people who do want to 
to have their own mission and they want to go out and improve the quality of care for our colleagues or to to assist our colleagues who are who are suffering burnout and the stats are terrifying on the GP workforce about how many I think you're leaving and the rates of burnout. I know mm -hmm. it's a massive and complex problem, but if you had to offer advice as to how we start to address burnout and the systemic problems, uh, where would you go? I think it starts with awareness um, in the workplace. Sadly, we've, I've lost a colleague to suicide in the hospital where I worked in. And I think that kind of opened the doors to having conversations about actually looking out for each other and make, making it really intentional to do that and not, you know, sometimes we, we, we ask each other, how are you going? And we just go, we're I'm fine. But you we're want fine. to take we're that. the dream. <laughs> yeah. And then you want to take the extra step and goes, are you really okay? That's the question. That's where, it, you know, you just want to, yeah, it kind of made me realize that we need to really look out for each other a lot more. Um, it starts in the workplace, having conversations. I mean, great, you know, a lot of hospitals do all these well-being workshops and, and we have EAP, but it's just a tick box, really. I, I feel it didn't really solve the problem of physician suicides and burnout, did it? It didn't. Um, I think... It is still uh, no. And we're it still, is still for solutions. Exactly. And I think it's, you know, coaching can help someone through a near burnout experience. So there's two different... Doctors can fall under two camps the burning out camp and the burnt out camp. I mean, the burnt out mm. camp probably is pretty serious. They've already developed all the mental health consequences of burnout. You know, they're not looking after their health anymore. I guess they need to see their GP first. So someone like yourself, Chris, they need to see someone like you and then get the professional help they need, like through a psychologist or therapist or anything like that. But I guess, you know, most of the people I'm helping right now are the burning out people in the burning out camp where um, maybe this is where I can kind of touch a little bit about my um, own framework about burnout. I see burnout as like energy. We, we all have energy bank accounts, you know, like unfortunately the economy is not great, I guess, and inflation's on the rise. Bank accounts, it's, it triggers some of us, I'm afraid. But I see our, our, I see burnout in terms of three energy bank accounts. First is physical, and our emotional and then spiritual. And I'll touch a little bit about each. So physical energy account is, you know, when we make deposits to this particular account, which means that we are sleeping well, we're looking, we're drinking water. I know I've been guilty of the, the drinking water bit. <laughs> and eating well, that's when we make a deposit to a physical energy account. Bing! And then, it, you know, we, we feel <laughs> kind of energized. And then the next energy account is emotional energy account. So when we kind of, you know, have, you know, maintain a relationship with our family and friends outside work or even within work, my work colleagues, um, that's kind of putting deposits in your emotional energy account. So you can imagine someone who um, does not have enough emotional deposits to this bank account, the emotional bank account, you can, they'll start to disconnect from themselves from others and you see this in some of your colleagues who are quite cynical sarcastic they start to complain about the healthcare system the patients the everything the works you know um that, that's yeah that that is when their emotional bank account is kind of low or reaching negative they kind of i guess behave that way and i guess the last energy account is the spiritual energy bank account is when 
they start to lose their life purpose. This is when people, uh, doctors come to me for coaching because they wake up every morning and go, I don't know what to do with my life anymore. And that's actually causing a lot of suffering, a lot of suffering for doctors because we are, we are mission driven, right? People. Oh, yeah. We turn up, yeah, we turn up to work. We love, we care for our patients. We do the thing. But these people, you know, people who have lost their life, doctors who have lost their life purpose will wake up going, what's the use? What's the point of me doing all this? I, I don't know what to do in my life. And ways to fill up your spiritual bank account, deposits that you can do will be like, for some people, it's hiking in a, you know, in, you know, Mount Gambia. I don't know whether you can hike in Mount Gambia. I've never been to Mount Gambia, but you could hike. Oh, uh, Mount Macedon. I remember that I did that when I was 20. Mount Macedon? Yeah, no. I haven't hiked for a very long time, you could tell. Um, you know, volunteering in soup kitchens, animal shelters, going, you know, attending a church service or anything that just lights you up spiritually. It could be prayer if you're, you know, a religious person. And spiritual energy account, you don't have to be a super religious person to get it filled up. You can get it filled up in any form. And I, I feel that when a patient thanks us, which unfortunately doesn't happen very much in pain medicine, when, when, when the patient thanks you, it kind of fills up all the three energy bank accounts. Bing, 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 physical and um, emotional and spiritual. And you're like, can you just repeat that again? So I actually asked, I had a patient who actually thanked me last week and I had to ask her to repeat it again. And I was like, oh. Oh, yeah, I yeah, really it, like that, actually. Yeah, I, yeah, it just fills you up straight away. Boom, 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 all three accounts. I don't know if you do it. I, I've seen doctors who keep, sometimes when they get um, cards or, or thank you yeah. notes from people, they, they have a drawer, they keep that in, and when they're mm. at a low point, they open that drawer and they just, they just yeah, know yeah, it, they, they have a look. Exactly, um, fills that particular doctor's all energy accounts. I mean, that's a really special thing that they can do if I guess if the patient who thanks them gives them a card like what you said just keep looking at it when times are hard when you've got difficult patients and you feel a bit down just look up those cards I think yeah and I don't I don't know if patients know how much a difference that makes or how much they might have impacted a doctor by saying thanks because hmm. they, they might assume it's routine but it, it is quite powerful when it happens yeah um very Top up your physical, emotional, and spiritual bank accounts. That's a good system to have. I, I usually tell my patients who are a bit burnt out or are on the cusp, and I do see some doctors, um, yeah. I, I'm quite happy to treat doctors, uh, that they should have a burnout plan, but they should also have a burnout prevention plan, same as it. Exactly. You have a bushfire prevention plan. Mm. Uh, and it is way easier for someone to come back from pre-burnout than burnout. Exactly, exactly. What advice would you give to someone who wants to be the next Olivia Ong? So what advice would you give to someone who would like to be in the space you're doing, would like to be giving TED Talks or uh, mm. writing books? How would you, what would you tell them? I will tell them, as cliche as it sounds, just listen to, to your heart, really. Like the TED Talk was actually, it took me two years, like speaking of this TED Talk, experience it took me two years to do the personal development work to have the wow. courage to actually deliver it that's how you know i had i had to attend a public speaking boot camp to to kind of be even be brave enough or courageous enough to ask questions in a case conference let alone a ted talk was like uh oh, scary but i've always wanted to do one and i think it's to just be courageous and do what it takes and listen to your heart you know when you listen to your heart it will guide you to that path. 
um, you'll find the you know t you know coaches and teachers will appear at the right time. Like my TEDx coach appeared at the right time, right place. That kind of thing. You know, I had a coach for my TEDx experience. So, yeah, people, your teachers, mentors, coaches, friends, family will just you know be there to support you. Yeah. Yeah. What do you and, think uh, of yeah, the principle be... in medicine of done is better than perfect? Because this is something a lot of us struggle with, is doing something perfectly versus doing it well and getting it done. Mm. This is a life lesson that I had to learn it for myself because I was one of those people, I guess, who was like a perfectionist. I mean, I, I grew up in Singapore where perfectionism is the norm. And all of us, we... we a is not good enough. A plus is where we need to be. Um, I grew mm. up in that kind of environment and all my peers were all like that. Um, and I carried that kind of mindset, I guess, of perfectionist trait all the way to med school and, you know, junior doctor days until the injury taught me that you don't have to be perfect to accept yourself because I had to accept myself the way I was in a wheelchair. I had, I had to, my you know, my image of myself changed and... Yeah, that took that was an interesting experience, and in learning to walk again, I had to realize that even if I just move my toe today, that's good enough for me. So I guess my spinal cord injury taught me that perfectionism will not it will not help. Rather, be happy with each small win you have, and that's probably the same principle. Done is better than perfect. And same in entrepreneurship as well. Even if you do something, a, a small task today, you don't have to do many, like 10 million things, but small tasks, small wins, celebrate it every single day. That, that, that is, um, I, I probably, yeah, done is be definitely better than perfect. So I think taking any action is better than taking no action. So I think entrepreneurship is a hard game. The amount it is that, very hard. Um, the amount that aren't mm -hmm. there five years down the track, uh, the number of small businesses that fail, the number of um, things, uh, even you see on Shark Tank, how many bad ideas there are out there. Oh, yes, I have more uh, Shark Tank. I love it though. <laughs> but, yeah, some, some pictures were really bad. <laughs> I think there's a lot you can offer people in terms of uh, coaching, but also as a model for how to build a brand and how to, how to build... Mm yourself as a thought leader. If people do want to find your content, where is the best place to find it or see it? Yeah. So I, I have a website, dralievialeeong.com. That's the best way to um, kind of like consume my content perhaps or my thought leadership content. It's all on there. Uh, my VA has kindly been updating that page every week. God bless him. He's a tech VA and I need someone like him because I'm not very good with tech, <laughs> I'm afraid. Um, <laughs> and I guess people can also um, reach out to me on social media. I'm on Instagram. I'm on LinkedIn. I'm on Facebook. Um, I'm yeah on Instagram. I think I'm known as my personal name, and Facebook also my personal name. And I have a business page too. And LinkedIn, yeah, Dr. Olivia Ong. So three ways you can reach me or email emailing me through the website. It's also another way people can reach out to me. Yeah. And are there any projects you want to plug or anything that's coming on your horizon you wanted to mention? Well, I'm launching a group program sometime in February next year. Um, it's a group program about helping doctors find their life purpose. 
uh, I felt really touched. Um, I get, you know, I lost one of my colleagues to suicide a couple of weeks ago. And yeah, um, I created this program with her in mind. Like, sorry, I'm getting quite emotional. Like, it's okay. Yeah, I wish that she, you know, like, you know, I'm, you know, there's a lot of guilt that comes because she works in the same hospital as I am. This is the work I do. But this program is created in her legacy. It's helping doctors find their life purpose. And I wish that if Trudy had found her life purpose, she wouldn't have done what she, you know, she wouldn't have committed suicide and all that. And this program was designed with her in mind to help other doctors who are kind of almost on the verge of feeling defeated, hopeless and helpless and not knowing where their life purpose is. This program is to help them get clarity in that, you know, and to give them some hope. And there is, you don't have to quit medicine. You can still love it very much. You just have to design it in, in a different way according to your own terms and not the hospital or the clinic or whatever, on your own terms. Um, that's the group program I'll be launching next year, sometime in February. So um, in fact, it's actually more specific. It's Monday, February the 5th. I was just working through my my launch plan this morning and that, that will be the pro when the program uh, starts. So it's to help doctors find their purpose and passion again. Yeah. Well, I think that sounds like a mm -hmm. well-needed program. Uh, mm -hmm. Obviously, if anyone's struggling in the interim and needs something beyond coaching, such as mental health support, the Doctors for Doctors uh, hotline yes. is available and the yeah. AMA does have a list of doctors who are happy to treat yeah. doctors. I could dig into so much more with you, Olivia, but I will wrap it up there. It has been an absolute pleasure having you on the show and you, you have a marvellous day. I look forward to this group program and what it can offer. All right. Thank you, Chris. Thanks, Chris. Be an Awesome GP is targeted at general practitioners in the Australian context. It should not be taken as formal medical advice and you should consult your own clinician for any medical matters. Opinions are those of the presenter or guests and do not necessarily represent any organisations.